Well, let's go to Philippians chapter 1, if you would. Book of Philippians chapter 1. Your pastor said I have till 9.30, so I'll try and make that time. <laughs> uh, no, he didn't say that. Um, Philippians chapter 1. It has been a privilege to be here. Really, I feel like family already. I got the chance to meet most of you. And, and not only did you just say hi, but uh, uh, several of you just stopped and talked and asked questions. And, and that, uh, that shows a genuine concern in, my, in me and my family and our ministry. And I appreciate that. And faces I may always remember. Names may not. Uh, I need my wife with me sometimes to remember names. Uh, but faces, hopefully I won't forget. And um, if I don't see you anymore, I'll see you in heaven. Amen? Amen. But we uh, hopefully will have many days serving together. Philippians chapter 1. This is, I want to see just a couple of verses here. We're going to jump to other verses in the book of Philippians. But we're going to begin with verse number 1. Paul is writing and he says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always and in every uh, prayer of mine for you all, making request, request with joy for the fellowship of the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to thank this of you all, because I have you in my heart, and as much as both in my bonds and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you and you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Jesus Christ, or the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, and to the glory and praise of God. But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace, and in all other places. I want to preach a message just very quickly on advancing the gospel. Advance. Let's pray and ask God to bless the service. Father, we thank you for the day you've given to us. Thank you for these faithful people here. And we pray, dear Lord, that you would bless them for being here. I pray, dear Lord, that your word would do a work in our hearts in our minds, and Father, you would help us to understand there's a great need to advance the gospel. And that, Father, we would do all that we can to help be a part of that. And I pray, Father, you'd fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit, the authority of your word. Speak to us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to direct your attention to verse number 12 again. He says, But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel. The word furtherance there really means to advance. It means to move forward. It's really a military term. Both of my oldest sons this summer 
uh, were sworn into the U.S. military, both into the Army National Guard, and uh, one completed boot camp already. The other one will go as well. Both of them are in college as well, uh, Christian college, and uh, I'm proud of them. Because of my hands, I couldn't go in the military. Three of my best friends in high school went, and I was set to go. I went down, I called the recruiter uh, down where, uh, in, in, in there in Florida, and, uh, and they said, well, uh, yeah, come on down. I said, well, I want to ask you one thing. I said, I was born with one hand. Can I still get in? They, and they, just dead silence. They're like, um, no. And I said, really? I said, I can hunt. I can shoot guns. I can... I can beat people up. I can get in the military, right? Um, no. All right, so I tried. That was the Army. I tried the Navy. I tried the Marines. I tried the, the uh, uh, Air Force. No, 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 no. I really wanted to be in the military. I love the military structure. I would have been a lifer. I would have been in probably for 20 years or so. And uh, my grandfather was in the military. My dad was in the military. And and uh, I love uh, I love the strategy of military, the thought process, the orderliness. But God had other plans because two weeks after that episode of my life, I was saved. Amen. And instead of going off to boot camp, I went off to God's boot camp. And I'm thankful. I'm more thankful now that I'm in God's army than the U.S. military. But this word advance here or furtherance is a military term. And if you can picture with me a, a country going to war. Now, let's go back in time. Let's talk about maybe the early 1900s of war where the enemy actually wore a uniform and they weren't cowards and you knew who they were, right? And so your, your country has uniforms. The other country has uniforms. You go, maybe you're going to storm a, a beach. Maybe it's in Europe and you, you're going to land and storm a beach. And then maybe you're, you're fighting to get on, make a stronghold onto that beach front. And so you eventually do. You take that stronghold there of that beach front and you, and the first thing that you're going to do in the military when you invade enemy territory is that you're going to set up a base of operations. You're going to set up a safe place. A place where you're going to harbor all the medical supplies and all the ammunition and all the food and all the communications and all of that. And, and that's the, 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 the base of operations. But you see, you don't stop there when you're in war. Your goal is to, at one point, after you set up that base, the goal then is to advance again and cross enemy lines and territory once again. Send out special forces and maybe air raids and things. You're going you're to try and advance again. Why? Because you're going to set up another base of operations then. And the idea, though, the idea is to eventually win the war because you're advancing and establishing, advancing and establishing. And eventually you've established all over the enemy territory and you've, you've overcome the enemy and now you've won the war. That's the term used here. To further the gospel is to advance with the idea of establishing so that you can advance again with the, with the, with the, with the, um, with the means of establishing another 
safe haven. In this passage, Paul is talking to the church at Philippi. He's encouraging them. That's why he uses the word joy often. He's encouraging them because he is in bonds. He is not with them. He knows that they might be in despair because their leader, Paul, may be dead at any time. And so the church at Philippi, a young church, a a church that was in in poverty, yet it was still uh, a a church of God's grace and a a church that was used of God, Paul writes to them and says, listen, don't retreat advance. I have a feeling now that most Christians, as we watch the news and we see what goes on overseas and even in our own country here in Canada and especially in the United States, sometimes Christians would rather get into their closet and say, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Jesus never called us to the closet only to pray. Jesus called us to advance. Sometimes we're on our heels when we should be on our toes advancing the cause of Christ. My boys, my two oldest boys, they're 19 and 17 now. Uh, when they were about 15, 16, somewhere in that age group, uh, my boys are all boys. They love being outside. They love sports. We love hiking. We like, if it's free, it's me, right? We love, uh, do, when we're on the road, we'll go uh, adventure off the beaten path and get lost. We're known to get lost in woods and things like that. We just love adventure. We love being outdoors. And uh, when we're back home in Tennessee, some of their friends uh, get together and they play games and so on, you know, and and uh, in advance and so on. This one game they were playing, anybody know what uh, paintball is? Raise your hand if you know what paintball is, okay? All right, paintball hurts, all right? Um, and uh, anyhow, so we were playing a game similar to paintball and and uh, we were uh, we were uh, we were actually at a facility where there was like 60 other people playing and it, it just happened to be Veterans Day. And so they were letting all, anybody who was in the military play, play for free all day. And they were, they, they were grown men, veterans who showed up in their camo and with backpacks and with night vision goggles. I kid you not. And they had smoke bombs that would smoke you out. You know, the, this, this complex we were at had a, had a, had an area where it was all this wooden town. You know, they had built all these buildings and, and then there was a big field and at the other side of the field there was all these giant tires and, and a fort set up out of wood and tires and so on. And, uh, one of the games we played was they, they, they would divide us up into two groups. And so I was there with one of my sons. It was his birthday. And, uh, of course, dear old dad wants to play too, you know. So I played with them. And uh, so we're all, uh, me and the Tennessee teenagers are, are with maybe 20 other guys, veterans. And then we're up against another side of like 30 guys. And, and uh, so uh, they rang the bell or blew the whistle, whatever they did to get us going. And the whole idea is if you got hit once, you're out. 
So we started at the back end of the town. The other team started at their fort. And the whole idea was just to take each other out one at a time. And then eventually the team that gets the, all of the other team out wins that game. And uh, they also had a, a game called Bloody Chicken. And it, I won't tell you what that was all about. That was dangerous. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, so uh, now we had masks on and we've got long sleeves on, you know, and so on. Uh, but nonetheless, so we start, and we're doing pretty good. You know, for these teenagers that are backwoods teenagers, you know, out of Tennessee, they, they were doing pretty good. And we got all the way up through the city, uh, and there was probably out of 30 of us on our team, or on our side, and 10 of us were from the same group, from the same church, you know, my, my son's friends. Out of us 10, there were probably six of us left, along with about 10 of the other guys, the, the veterans, and uh, we made it up to this wall. We made it through the city. The other team on the other side, they hunkered down in that fort, which was across this, this field, about the size, maybe half the size of a football field. Across this field, they're all hunkered down, and uh, they've got their uh, sniper, uh, you know, guns and everything. And they're ready for us because the only way we're going to get them is to come out from behind that wall. We all stood there and tried to think of a way that we could do this. And, uh, you know, we, we're thinking, we're thinking, we're thinking. I said, okay, guys, this is the plan. I said, I was talking to my teenage, you know, uh, my friends, teenager friends, and, and our group, we had six of us, and my two oldest boys were still part of that group. And I said, this is the plan. I said, because there's no other plan, I have a plan. I said, what I'm going to do is I want you to get your guns ready. And I said, on the count of three, we all, all of us are going to run out of this wall and we're going to spread out across this field and we're going to storm that fort. I said, there's no way they can hit all of six of us. If we run and we, and, you know, we're going to run and, and if we can make it, we can slide into some of the, in the front of their fort and then we'll be right there where it really hurts, right? And so I said, are you ready? And, you know, these teenage boys, yeah, 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 we're ready. <laughs> and I said, are you ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. And, and I run out and we're running across that field, spread out. And, and I'm just, I'm just, poo, 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 you know, shooting paintballs. I don't even know if I'm hitting anybody or anything. I'm just trying my, and, and immediately I get maybe ten yards or so and I get hit. I'm done. Uh, so, I, you have to lift your gun up, you know, and I turned around and there was one other teenage boy that came out from behind that fence. And it wasn't even one of my sons. So I went back behind that fence and I, I told those guys, those teenage boys, I said, what in the world happened? I said, we were supposed to count to three. That was the plan. And then we were going to run out from behind this fence and we are going to spread out. That was the plan. I said, what happened? You know what they said? They said, oh, well, Mr. Rowan, we just wanted to see what would happen. <laughs> I said, this is what happens. Now listen, this is the point of this. I really do believe we're at a day and time where most Christians are just waiting to see 
what other Christians will do about things. We're just kind of behind the fence, you know, where it's safe. We're, we're kind of in the, in the first uh, uh, base of operations. We're kind of just, we're, we're satisfied sometimes with just being there where it's safe. And we're kind of just waiting to see what someone else might do about the situation. Paul is telling the church of Philippi here, don't just settle. Advance. Further the gospel. And he says so. look at verse 12 again. He said, But I would you understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have, have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel. In other words, hey, listen, Church of Philippi, understand this, that sometimes it takes suffering to advance the gospel. I know that every, every appointment is normally God's appointment to meet someone who possibly could need the gospel. Yesterday, or not, uh, Thursday, we were driving home from uh, uh, North Carolina to Tennessee and about eight hour, seven, eight hour drive and we got all the way to almost home. We were still outside of our city, not too far, not too far at all, maybe uh, 30, 40 minutes from being home and my tire light went on in our minivan and that meant that, you know, my pressure in one of my tires was kind of low. Well, that's, then I could start to feel it. So I pulled off and uh, lots of traffic and sure enough, my tire was flat. And so I had to move things around and get the tire iron and get the jack and start. I started to jack up the van to get them spare off and all that. And uh, I looked up and I didn't even see this man where he came from. But he was in a, uh, a, a, a work truck, and he was backing up to the front of our van. And he got out, and he said, hey, he said, uh, you need some help. And I said, well, sure, because I knew. I, I could see he opened up his back doors, and he had an air compressor generator there and power tools and everything. And I thought, wow, you can get this, sure, you can help me. And so uh, he went over with his... Uh, uh, air gun started taking off the lug uh, bolts and, and, and I asked my wife, I said, can you give me, you know, some money? I want to help, you know, give this man something and, and, uh, and witness to him. And, and so she gave me the money and I began to witness to him. And, uh, as soon as I talked to him about the gospel, he just started crying. And this man was a big burly man, you know, does, works on trucks all day, you know. And he said, he said, "You mean you're you're a missionary?" I said, "Yeah, that's." I said, "But uh, you know, more importantly, is your eternal salvation?" And he said, "Yes, I am a believer. I am born again. I know Jesus Christ personally." And he put his hands on my shoulders and he began to pray for us and he began to seek the Lord on our behalf. And you know what? And and. And he, he gave us a cold water, you know. I mean, I should have been giving him all this, you know. He didn't want the money, uh, and, uh, and then he took off. I didn't even get his, his full name or whatever. And all I'm saying is this. I could have thrown a fit because I had a, a flat tire. I could have just been upset. Could have, could have lost my testimony over the whole thing. You know, the guy backing up to our, our truck, our van, I could have been upset and, uh, called my van certain names, you know, and, and just been upset the whole thing. 
But I'm so glad that I was able to encourage that man because of a difficulty, a seeming difficulty that I have. And every hospital visit, any difficulty, any time of suffering, that's what Paul is saying here. Listen, look at verse number 13. He said, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. Keep your finger there in chapter 1 and go to chapter 4. Go to chapter 4. And look at verse 21, almost the last verse of the book. Verse 22, excuse me, verse 22 of chapter 4. He says, All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. How did the, how did people in Caesar's household receive the Lord? He, he actually calls them saints. So obviously, he had uh, been able to witness to some of the guards, witness to some of the servants, witness to some of those in the prison there, the bonds, and be able to see fruit for his witnessing. Even though he was in bonds, he was not a free man. He didn't see it. He didn't say, oh me, oh my. He said, I'm going to be advancing the gospel where I'm at, even if it's a circumstance that I don't like. What circumstance are you in? And maybe you're thinking, well, I wish I could change jobs. I wish I could move out of this neighborhood. I wish I wasn't, you know, in this school or at this occupation. Or I wish I wasn't in this family. Because they're unsafe. You know what? Maybe God has put you there to advance the gospel. And it's not time to hide behind the, the fence and say, you know what, I'll just wait for the perfect opportunity. No, no, maybe you just need to pray that God gives you a plan to be able to go out of that fence and go witness to somebody and advance the gospel. Amen. Go back to chapter 1 with me again. Suffering advances the gospel, but secondly, striving advances the gospel. Striving together advances the gospel. Look, if you would, in verse 27 of chapter 1. He says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I preached on teamwork this morning, but I can't overemphasize the fact that we can get so much more done together. And it's all for God's glory. No one gets the the attention, but or shouldn't get the attention, but the Lord, right? One of the wonderful things about our ministry, and I'm, you know, there's wonderful ministries out there. I I love what we do because. We do not plant churches. We do not have the authority to plant churches. We work under pastors and we serve churches. And the church and the pastor, they have the authority to plant churches. And so we serve. That's our ministry. We serve. No one gets the glory. Uh, But the Lord, hopefully, that's true. May it never be said, well, go ask BCPM, you know, all this because they've planted so many. No, no, God has planted the churches using God's churches. 
But it's interesting, he uses several words here uh, in verse 27 as far as striving together. The first word, of, of course, is striving together. And the word strive means to work or to labor together. It has the idea of sometimes uh, being in pain together. Painfully advancing the gospel. No one said it was going to be easy to advance the gospel. My son, who just finished boot camp, uh, he came home and he said, that's the toughest thing I ever did in my life. He said, uh, we were out, uh, they trained us as if we were in real war. He said, we went almost five full days of being out in the woods, eating from our little packets of food they give them, the MREs they call them, and uh, getting maybe one or two hours of sleep a night and constantly uh, hearing gunfire and, and uh, smoke bombs and grenades and hearing all this and, and, and being, uh, being uh, and some of their, uh, their uh, um, uh, the leadership there would come up behind them at night and put them in a chokehold, you know, they'd have to get out of them. I mean, just rough, rough, rough. And, uh, you know, if we're going to go to war... We've got to be ready. And being ready is realizing that striving together is work. But it has the idea of locking arms in arms and, 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 and working together, helping each other. One falls, we lift them up. We help them continue to stay on the road, advancing together. The word, it, there's another word here, and he says, with one mind. With one mind. He also says, um, uh, striving together in one spirit. I won't go into all the details of these words, but I will say this. I, uh, the, the idea is simply this. With all that we have, we're working together. There in where I grew up most of my life, in southern Florida, there's a certain tree called a banyan tree. A banyan tree is a little bit different than other trees because it doesn't drop any any fruit or it doesn't drop any nuts or seeds to produce more trees. It actually produces more trees right out of itself. So you see what you, what you think are vines hanging down, but those are actually new roots for a new tree hanging right out of the limbs from a, the existing tree. And so, as, as long as that tree is alive, it'll keep dropping roots, and those will uh, have branches and drop roots, and those will have branches and drop roots. The largest banyan tree is in Maui, Hawaii. Now, I've never been there. I've been praying for eight years that someone would need our help planting a church in Hawaii. All right? <laughs> Hasn't happened yet. But the largest banyan tree, I've seen pictures, is in Maui, Hawaii. It is, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how many kilometers, it is five miles wide. It's the thickest tree you'll ever see. Hurricanes and typhoons and, and, and earthquakes may happen on that island, but that tree will probably still be there. The strength of that tree, uh, the example that God gives us in the banyan tree, and the strength it has because it's all tied together, we can learn from as a church and as Christians. The strength, I hate to say strength comes in numbers, 
But strength does come in when we have numbers of Christians who are striving together. There's strength there. There, there, there is encouragement there. I got a text today, this afternoon, from a pastor friend of mine in California. His name is Andy Doss, a great friend of mine. I haven't talked with him in probably a, almost a year. But you know what he texts me? He said, praying for you today. He said, keep preaching, keep going. I haven't talked with him. He doesn't know where I'm at even. He doesn't know what's going And I appreciate the encouragement from others. By the way, striving together doesn't mean strifing together. Go with me to chapter 2 as we move along here. Chapter 2. Look what the Bible says here in verse number 1. He says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, there is again, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Look at verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. You know what? There's little or no time for strife against each other. You know, there's, there is healthy, um, God, uh, godly, uh, brotherly love confrontation, if I can say it that way. There are definitely times when we may see our brother error and we, out of love and, and out, of, out, of, out of a heart that's wanting to help, we, we confront them. We understand that. But, but that's what he's talking about here is strife. It is, it is being contentious with really no reason. By the way, he, he talks about that in chapter 1. I won't go back there, but being contentious, uh, divisive for really no reason. There's a uh, church in Arcadia, Florida. Uh, one of my good pastor friends, uh, Pastor Knickerbocker, uh, was a pastor there. And he was such a help to me when I started the church in Florida years ago. And he gives a story. It's, it's a humorous story, but it proves the point. When he took that church in Arcadia, he said there was a great spirit there. Uh, boy, you people were really on fire. They, they loved him as a new pastor, and they were just going forward. They were advancing he said uh, people were going soul winning and, you know, they just had a great spirit. He said one of the men who was his, his right-hand man who just praised him and did everything with him and went soul winning and helped do things around the church and all that, every time they had a business meeting, everybody was on board with the decision except for this man. Every time they had a meeting, this man would oppose what everybody else was for. And it bothered the pastor to the point where he took this good man, this man who was a faithful man, out to lunch. And he said, brother, he said, I love you in the Lord. He said, but I've got to ask you a question. He said, you're so faithful. You're there. You're helping. You pray with us. You go out soul winning. He said, but every time we try to make a decision, you're the only one that opposes what we're trying to do. And he said, I've prayed about this. He said, but I've got to ask you, why? <laughs> this is what the man said. He said, well, somebody has to. 
He couldn't, he, he came from a bit, the business world and up, you know, he just couldn't understand that in a spiritual setting like a church that you can actually be unanimous and you can actually be together on something. He just couldn't understand it. That's unnecessary divisiveness, being divisive. And Paul's teaching against it. There are other points in this, in the great book of the Philippians that he wrote to the church at Philippi. But let us remember tonight that God wants us to advance. It's not sitting, it's going forward. It doesn't mean that you have to go somewhere and plant a church. It doesn't mean you have to leave to go to the mission field. What it's talking about here is everyone together, striving together, right where we're at, whether it's a church uh, function to further gospel or whether it's at your home or at your work or wherever, God wants us to advance the gospel. And by the way, remember, that flat tire, that, air, that, that heater that goes out, that, that uh, washing machine that dies, the, the, the job loss that you have, the, 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 the unexpected hospital visit that you may have, we need to look at those as avenues to advance the gospel. Suffering advances and striving together advances the gospel.